Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and hope you're having a good week. Man, oh man, oh man. You know, one of the things that if you know me or follow my career for any length of time at all, you know that I've been training and teaching in neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, for uh, over 15 years, and I've trained thousands of practitioners and coaches all across the world. And, you know, the question that comes probably more than anything in that world of NLP, the world of coaching, is how do you know what people are doing? How do you know what people are thinking? And whether it's, you know, because you're coaching and you're looking at sales and attracting more clients, or it's, you know, your parents and you're trying to figure out what your kids are thinking and why is your teenager mad at you? Any range of desire, if you want to understand what people are thinking and maybe even what they're about to do, and ultimately so you can make a decision based on what people are doing around you, well, you want to listen into this radio show today. I have world phenomenal, world champion poker player, Alec Torelli. Now, Alec has won millions of dollars playing live cash games, and he's played some of the biggest tournaments live and online. He's traveled to more than 45 countries, applying his insights and his experiences towards life and business from his poker days. Uh, he's been featured on ESPN, CBS Sports, Travel Channel, Fox Sports, Cigar Aficionado, and Poker News in so many other places. Uh, he and his wife, Amber, have founded a digital marketing company, which is the outlet for their blogs. He does poker training through something called Conscious Poker. We'll get into that, which I think is uh, just going to be such a blast. Um, and, you know, they live and divide their time between the U.S., Italy, and Asia. He's uh, calling all the way in from Italy right now. So without any further ado, Alec, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm well. Um, it's uh, interesting times here in Italy, for the, obviously, but uh, I'm... I'm Staying healthy and safe and things are great. So you and your family are doing well in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. What time is it over there right now? It's mid-morning for me. Yeah, it's 5.30. So you're Eastern. We're six hours later than Eastern. It's, it's easy to coordinate with you. It's tough when my family's on the Pacific. So on the West Coast, it's just, you know, I have to, you know, late at night or really early in the morning. It's, it's, it's a lot harder to, to coordinate. Yeah, you get that 30-minute kind of lapse where it works well for everyone. <laughs> you call them during breakfast. Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, man. So I know you're, you know, we got a lot in common because you're out, uh, you're speaking, you're training, you're you're living that whole kind of, I'd almost say it seems like a phase two of life. I want to talk about phase one a little bit. Yeah. How old were you when you got into this whole poker world? Did you start online as a kid? Did you jump in with someone? How did you even find uh, your your way into the idea of playing poker? 
serendipitously, really, Chris Moneymaker, if you can believe that last name, had just turned $100 into a million winning the main event of the World Series of Poker, which is like, you know, the Wimbledon. It's the biggest poker event in the world. And it was televised on ESPN. And so it exploded, least of all, because, you know, this rags to riches story, the last name, but he also beat out all of these professionals and he was a complete amateur, uh, an, an accountant from the Midwest somewhere. And uh, so poker exploded. It was the, the, the slogan was anyone can win genius marketing by the WSOP uh, and everybody poker became cool overnight. And so my friends and I watched this on television and I got invited to a friend's house one day to go play poker. I was 16, super impressionable. And I won $12 my first time playing. And as they say, of any dollars, well, that was, that was, you know, life changing, not life changing, but it was a lot of money in high school. That's, you know, you could buy real that's stuff. A big deal, yeah. And you know, <laughs> as they say, of any gambler, you know, the, the, the worst thing that could happen is you win your first time because then you're hooked. And uh, I was definitely hooked. You know, I went basically all in on just becoming consumed and, and, and just in love with poker because I, you know, I was never great in sports in high school. I, was in musical theater. I dropped out of uh, football my freshman year. I didn't make the basketball team my freshman year. So very uh, mediocre to say the least uh, at, the, at the best at sports. Um, so poker was something I felt like I could excel at because I, I, I feel like I have a good intuition. I get people. I like math and numbers and probability. And I, and I feel like that marriage between those two things um, is really what it takes to, to win at poker. And so um, Arguably, I didn't have any of those skills when I was first starting out. I, but um, the fact that I won the first time made me feel like I was, you know, I could do this and I could win. And that just propelled me to keep going. And, you know, a lot happened along the way. But that, those were those, those early days where I got those initial victories and, and just being able to play with friends and coming into poker at the right time when there was a boom and I was impressionable. And at the beginning of it, uh, it, it you know, that was, that, was, that was a key part of it. How, how much, uh, well, how, how long did you play with friends until you started doing something that was maybe again, did you get into online? Cause you're 16 years old. So I'm assuming you're not going to walk into a casino and sit down at the high stakes table. Um, I, I met when I was training with Tony Robbins and going through his, his, uh, mastermind program. One of the guys that joined us, I think I was 25, 26 at the time he was 19 and he spent 65 K plus expenses to be part of this mastermind. And he was the first guy I ever met in my life that was a professional poker player. And he'd never stepped foot into, you know, an actual live uh, in-person place because he, he wasn't old enough. What were you doing for 15 or for five years before you were 21? Did you get online or were you playing with friends? Both. So I, I played with friends all throughout high school, even in the midst of when I eventually translate trans to playing online and in casinos. Uh, now, online poker, you can play when you're 18. And casinos in California, you can go to when you're 18 as well. You can go to Indian casinos, not um, not casinos like Commerce, but there's ones in on Indian reservations where you can go play. And I did both of those things. So even in high school, I was playing online poker and I was making significant money, um, at least for me in high school. I remember I put $30 into a poker tournament uh, with hundreds of players, 680 players or so. And I won first place, obviously a lot of luck involved in, 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 in winning that, but, um, I won a couple $2,000 more in a single day in high school. And I parlayed that up playing other tournaments and cash games. And so I built up a nice, uh, bankroll as we call it, a, you know, a supply of money that you use for investing in poker. Uh, even in high school. And so then I would also go to the casinos. I would cash some of that out and go to the casinos and play um, in the 18 plus casinos. I would sneak into the casinos in Vegas. I always looked a little bit older. I could grow facial hair. And so 
I went to some of the casinos in Vegas or in, in the U S even before I was legally supposed to. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, when I turned, so I, I wanted to play more poker and I ended up dropping out of uh, SMU and I realized that I was at this point in my life where, um, I had to make a decision and I either, I either was going to plateau in poker because I couldn't go any further, or I could really take this leap of faith and decide to go forward with something that I really wanted to do with my life. And I evaluated my risk reward and, and realized, you know what, the worst thing that happens is I lose the money I saved up. And I was 18 at SMU, like 20,000. Uh, and the best thing that happens is I make it and I become a professional poker player and I'm traveling the world and having poker pay for my lifestyle. So like there was, you know, disproportionate risk reward for me here, um, or, or reward to risk, excuse me. And so I felt like this was you know, a, a smart bet to make. I went all in and I realized I couldn't play in the U S. So I moved to Australia where I could play in live tournaments and, and as well as online. And it was there that I really had my first like huge break where I won the biggest tournament in online history at the time when I was 18 for a quarter million dollars in a day. Um, and then I became one of the biggest winners in online poker that year in 2007. Wait, wait, you won a, a quarter million dollars in online poker and you were doing that from Australia? Yep. I was living in Melbourne. I actually went there just, I went to Sydney for new years and then I went to Melbourne to go play this very large, this, this big premier tournament circuit. And I loved it so much. And I realized I, I can't play in the U S anyway. So um, I, I just wanted to stay there and I ended up staying for six, seven months. I turned a month long trip into, into six months. I just got an apartment there. I flew a friend over from the U S and, um, yeah, we just lived together and just played a lot of online poker and, and you're uh, just living in the CBD, the downtown down there in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. I was in the Docklands. I don't know if people that are in, yeah. in Australia, right, right by where they play rugby, but it was a up and coming area, you know, high rise condo on the water. It was, it was, it was amazing. Great town. Great. Yeah. Great time. Um, man, that, that is so cool. So quarter million dollar, um, pot. I want to add, like, as, as this is starting to happen, as you're describing this, Alec, you are talking with a lot of logical based language. You know, you're saying I'm risking rewards and I'm looking at the numbers and percentages and I'm deciding what my goals are and what my future is. It sounds very logical when it comes to gambling. There is that other side. And I want to kind of ask you about this part. There's the addictive side, the, the biochemical side, the emotional side where, you know, you win, um, your brain activates, you get a hit, it feels that way. For you, I want to ask you kind of personally and then in a broader stroke, do you, did you feel like how much of your moving forward in poker was the man, I love this and I got to get more of it? Kind of, you know, the, the, the adrenaline junkie sort of like, I just got to keep doing this because I love it so much and it feels good versus more strategic. I'm actually getting good at this. I'm learning a skill. I feel like I'm progressing in life. I'm getting better at it and I can make some money in it. So what percentage, if there was one to you was more emotional biochemical and what percentage is more logical, financial goal oriented? Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. It's a great question. Phenomenal question. I've never been asked that question, but I, I would say it was probably like 80% logical, rational, like I love this. I'm in it because it's just amazing. Um, and I would, like I always said, and I, and I know this because I, I monitored my motivation from a young age. And I said, even if poker was played, not for money, if it was played for like candy or goldfish, whatever, I'd want to be a fat kid because I love the game. I love the process. I love 
the, the psychology and outplaying my opponents or my friends at the time. And I, I just love the process. I actually liked losing because I learned something and I can get better. And so I really followed my effort and my, my, my motivation and energy in that way. Uh, and I knew that my intentions were always um, like towards the investment side of poker and not the addicted gambler side of poker. And I think it's really important to be aware of where you are on that spectrum, especially in something that involves risk and there's, there's money and you have to have, you have to manage your bankroll carefully. You have to be able to manage your emotions because you could be the best player in the world, but if you can't manage your emotions or your money, you will wind up broke and potentially um, impacting the lives of yourself and others. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, you kind of have to know this in other areas of life too. Like, you know, if you can handle drinking a glass of wine socially or like it's different than being alcoholic. Right. So you have to kind of know where you are and, and on that spectrum and, and play within your limits. Um, but for me, I always was really confident that, um, that the emotional side was something that I knew that I had to get better at because there are, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope. Like you can easily justify, especially when you're losing and you're frustrated and you're perhaps not thinking rationally, you can easily justify continuing to play with the excuse of, or the justification of, oh, I'm here for profit because I'm a professional gambler, professional poker player, but I'm really here as a gambler, right? So you can kind of lie to yourself. So I was always very careful to understand, you know, separate my um, logical mind from my emotional self. And one of the things I talk about in, in, my, in my, my talks or my keynotes is basically separating, you know, your, your logical decision-making process from your intuitive decision-making process, which is kind of more on the NLP side of things. And the uh, emotional decision-making and, you know, making decisions from a place of logic, like evaluating the numbers or the odds in the case of poker or your business plan in the real world, or making a decision from an intuitive place, like your gut instinct, whether you can trust someone or not, or you like someone or you're attracted to them or, or what your feeling is about the situation are great places to make decisions from. And you want to, you want to find a marriage between those two things. You want to use a combination of logic and intuition to make decisions in poker and in life as well. What you want to avoid at all costs are the emotional decisions, like making decisions what we call on tilt in poker because you're, you're letting emotion drive your decision-making. Those are when mistakes are made. It's when you are pissed at someone and you, and you just like let your, yourself go in the middle of an argument, you say something you regret, right? Those are emotional things. And those are the decisions that are, are the worst ones that we should be avoiding. So I've worked to create systems in my, in my poker playing, in my strategy, you know, at the table, for example, even that I, I work with myself and I share with, with, with clients and, and, you know, students of, of the poker site about how to m mitigate against um, making emotional decisions. And that's a really key part of the game for anyone, because uh, no matter how lo logical or rational you are, when you throw tens or, you know, thousands of dollars at the table and you're losing, it's, it's, it's increasingly harder to make those, those rational decisions. So that's a really, really important part of the game. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. It's incredible how 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 many people out there, especially when it comes to finance, um, will say, "Hey, like once I make more money or once I have more money, it'll be easier to do these things or make these decisions." But if if you're having trouble making a decision or making the right decisions, uh, logical decisions with ten dollars in your bank, it's going to be a lot harder with a thousand or a hundred thousand or ten million because it's like that emotional element that causes indecisiveness is going to increase and be even stronger. Um, so it's about no matter what level of finance you are, or what level of game you're playing, whether it's poker or whether it's sport or, or business, like 
at that level you are, like, I can't stress it enough. Listen to a guy like Alec and learn how to master decision-making today. Don't wait till you quote, hit it big or start growing. If you're just joining us on the show, I'm with Alec Torelli, a world champion poker player and body language expert. I threw that one in there because I'm sure you're going to be good at that. And I'm going to talk about that with you. Yep. Um, you can follow Alec Torelli at Alec. Uh, it's A-L-E-C-T-O-R-E-L-L-I, Alec Torelli on Instagram and Twitter. Also check out his website, alectorelli.com. And I love on here, uh, he has, uh, you can subscribe, it's completely free and you get his quick start guide to bankrolling your bucket list, some actionable life hacks that are delivered to your inbox every single week. So Alex taking what he learned with a decade and a half poker career, making millions of dollars from tournaments and cash games and how to make decisions, how to read people, uh, making logical decisions rather than emotional decisions and really how to master your life and your business in that way. And you get these life hacks from Alec every single week. So I can't stress it enough. Follow Alec on Instagram and Twitter and alectorelli.com. Um, Alec, is, is we come back here kind of in the second half, I want to talk a little bit about um, the idea of reading people. And, you know, it, it gets... It's an interesting rap that reading people gets, you know, there's the kind of the cuckoo side where people think that, you know, you can just, you can see every little emotion on somebody's face when you watch shows like lie to me. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, that when someone's holding something back or when there's more to the story, you, you know, they're giving these in poker, obviously you're calling it the tell. Um, so I use that language too, but in everyday life, you know, Hey, hang on a second something's going on. My nine-year-old son, there's more to the story of what happened at school and he's giving something away. Can you talk a little bit about how important was that in poker? And then where do you apply that to life if you do it all um, when it comes to winning at, at big games like that? How important is reading people versus just doing your own strategy? Yeah, I mean, it's okay. So if you play live poker, we talked about live poker versus online poker. So if you play live poker, you're playing a game with other people. And in fact, I think there's a quote, I think it's by Phil Helmuth, but it's, it's a great quote. And it says, you know, most people think poker is a game of cards, uh, a game of people play, oh, sorry. Most people think poker is a game of cards played with people, but it's a game of people played with cards. Okay. So this fundamental perspective really is telling about how poker is. It's, it's, you're using cards, but they're, they're the superficial mechanism to which you're making decisions. It's a game of people and it's a game of psychology and understanding how people are going to behave is, is huge. And poker really helps teach you that because you understand, you know, your job basically is to say, okay, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But before I make a bet or a bluff, I have to think and predict, you know, I have to give it, I have to attribute a percentage to the likelihood that my opponent is going to behave the way I want them to, and then decide whether or not it's profitable to make a bet. And that fundamental process is very useful to apply uh, in the real world as well. Right? So recently, I've been thinking about how people are likely to behave in the midst of um, what's, what's going on now with the, the coronavirus. So I'm just thinking about like in, in seeing how other people are behaving here in Italy and I'm kind of have the foresight of being, it's tragic and unfortunate, but one of the first countries that have had this happen and seeing how people behave here allows me to kind of understand and synthesize how people are likely to behave uh, in other places as well. And so that's something I really learned at the poker table, but uh, to go back to the original point is um, it's, 
you, you don't always have a really strong read, right? Like when you meet someone, sometimes you have a, a gut instinct about whether or not you like them or you can trust them, or maybe it's a, someone of the opposite sex and whether or not you're attracted to them. But this gut instinct is really, really important to listen to when you have it, but you don't always have it. It's not like every time you meet someone, you have like a super strong vibe, but it's important to understand the relationship between this in, intuitive read that you have and where it fits in the decision-making process. So when you meet someone, it's always something, it's, it's, it, the initial reaction is always intuitive. Um, and it's not like you can say, and a good example to think about is like, if you are meeting someone for the first time and I ask you, do you like them or not? You're not going to give me a rational answer. You're not going to say, oh yes, I like them because their shirt was blue and I like blue. You're going to give me an intuitive feel like, yeah, I got a good vibe from them. They were cool. Or I really like, you know, this, this, this aura that they put off or whatever it is. You're going to try and justify it logically, but it's really an intuitive subconscious read. And that is really important because it's usually right. Like you mentioned when, you know, your nine year old comes in and says, Oh, I didn't do anything wrong. But it's like, you're not listening to what they're saying. You're listening to what, how they're behaving. You're listening to how they're acting. And that's just our, like a, a mechanism we've developed over, over years, right? That's an important part of humans because trust is integral to our society. And we need to be able to read other people to see if we can trust them. I believe this is an innate human trait, but we've sort of suppressed it over the years as we rely more and more on logic and less we listen to ourselves less because, you know, we're stimulated so much with technology and social media and distracted so often that we don't take time to create space in our life to really be in touch with our, you know, our inner sort of being uh, a little spiritual, but I think nonetheless, it, it, it potentially serves a point in our overstimulated culture. The second part of the decision-making process is really rational. It's the logic that backs up your intuitive read. So once you get a read on someone, whether you like them or not, you get to know them better and see if your hypothesis backs out. In business, you might have a good feel about an idea for a company, but you don't invest in it based on your intuition. You say, okay, let me see the business plan. Let me see the numbers. Let me make sure that the numbers match my feeling about the, you know, person I'm investing in or the company I want to open or the business I want to start or whatever it is, the project I want to get involved with, the job I want to take, the city I want to move to, whatever the decision is. So it's really when we're finding the, it's the connection between the logic and, and the intuition that we make great decisions. Do you feel like there's a priority uh, of order for that? So I, I've kind of taught and learned for years and seen this, that when it comes to decision making, whether it's uh, a client's buying decision or whether it's my own decisions, um, you know, how many sales trainers have taught that people don't buy with a the logic, they buy with emotion. Mm. But very often in the NLP uh, world, when we teach about decision strategies, I was just teaching this in a virtual class yesterday, um, that, you know, most people are going to go through, maybe they see a jacket they like, they touch it, they feel it, they walk through some kind of logical of sort of convincing if this is right. But if everything hits and all the logic is right, it ends in this feeling of yes, this feels right. And they go, but it sounds so it's, but it's not really logic to feeling it sounds to you like the priority is feeling to logic. So if you get this feeling of yes, then you back it up and say, is that true? Is that the strategy that you tend to take every time, most of the time, or do I have that kind of off? Yeah, you have the relationship, right? So there's an order in the process, but I would, I would, pre I would caveat is that you don't always get the foresight of having a strong intuitive read. So like in some hands of poker, I play, I get a really strong read that my opponent is bluffing. And then I'll run through the numbers and say, okay, what are the combinations of hands he can have that are bluffs? What are the combinations of strong hands and how does that relate to the odds that I'm getting and my equity and I, you know, run these numbers calculations and determine if I'm, if I could profitably make a call, right? So I, I back up my intuitive read with the numbers. 
but you don't always get that intuitive read. And if you think about interacting with other people, you don't always get a strong vibe about someone. You get varying degrees of vibe. It's kind of like on a spectrum. It might be, you know, 60% or 80%. Sometimes you get a 95% vibe. Well, when you get those really, really strong ones that are on, you know, either end of the spectrum, those are the ones that are worth listening to. The rest of the time, depending on the intensity of your read, so to speak, you're going to have to rely increasingly on logic because if you don't have a strong opinion about a situation because you didn't, you know, you didn't get a strong opinion one way or another, you're going to have to go to the numbers. You're going to have to go to your logical side. Um, but I feel like the best decisions I make are the ones where I have very strong convictions, either yes or no in a certain situation based on an intuitive read. And I try and listen to the most to that. And if I think about the, the great decisions I made in my life, they're not generally like, they're not decisions that you can be really, the big decisions aren't really decisions you can necessarily make on paper. Like for example, deciding, excuse me, whether or not to marry my wife is not like a list of pros and cons. And she checks off these boxes. It's something that I just feel like, intuitively, like this is an absolute yes. And I'm really, really confident about it. Um, and I think the worst decisions I make are, are obviously the ones that have come from a place of emotion, which are, are tilt, which are just terrible decisions. But it's, it's when I override my intuition with logic that I pay the price, right? So it's when I feel like this is the wrong fit for, you know, a, an opportunity or a business relationship or whatever, but I, I pursue it anyway, because of the numbers. And so it's when I override my intuition with logic that I feel like I pay the price. And so I really try and create, what I try and do is create the systems and the space in my life to have more time and quiet space to be able to listen to my intuition about things. So I, I'll, I'll go through all the numbers and I'll look at everything. But before I make a decision, you know, I'll usually sit down quietly for as long as it takes for my mind to just kind of settle and sit in stillness until I really feel like that what I think I should do is what I... Um, want to ultimately do. And, and these two things are in line. So I try and create space in my life to actually listen to myself so that I'm not just stimulated by inputs all the time. Uh, and that's a little bit of my process uh, off the table. Very good. So we're not talking about making logical decisions and then getting a good feeling. And we're not talking about being ran by our emotions and charging in whether or not you have the logic or trying to back it up. It sounds like what I'm getting is, you know, you, if you get an intuitive feel, if you get that gut reaction, if you get the, Hey, I think that guy across from the fire in the cave, you know, a million years ago is a friend or a foe. If I get a good feeling, then I'm going to start looking for logic to back it up and reasons to back it up. He doesn't have a spear in his hand. He's smiling. These are all good things. But if the logic isn't there, you know, maybe that's not the case. However, um, don't just go in on impulse or on logic. I really love that concept. Hey, you know, as we're winding down here, I know um, your your time in Italy is probably almost dinner time. I want to <laughs> uh, quickly talk about, uh, you have a really cool course and we've never offered and given our listeners a course on poker playing, but you have something that you can find at courses.consciouspoker.com. Can you just 30 seconds tell me about this this free conscious poker course that you have created? I've never seen that before. It looks so cool. Yeah. So for people that are interested in poker strategy, one of the key concepts is trying to figure out what your opponents have, right? That's, it's a game of incomplete information. So the most valuable thing is being able to figure out what your opponent's betting patterns mean. And I've created a system, I call it my hand reading system, where I teach people how to do that. So it's a linear step-by-step -step process for people to figure out what is the most likely hand that my opponent's holding. So if poker or poker strategy interests you, uh, the best place is just consciouspoker.com. You could uh, opt in or, or download this anywhere for free. Uh, and it's a great intro guide to understanding how to think logically about the game of poker from a strategic perspective. And then of course, on consciouspoker.com or our YouTube, there is a ton of 
blogs or videos or other strategy content, as well as premier paid content like courses and, and things like that, memberships as well. But start with the free content, see if you like it. And uh, it's a great resource. And Alec, Alec is the man. He's won millions of dollars in tournaments, plus so much more through cash games for almost a decade and a half career doing poker all around the world. So um, if you're interested in poker, he's the guy to go to, no question. Go to ConsciousPoker.com. If you're not interested in poker and you're interested in what he's learned from poker over a year and a half, make sure you go to, or a year and a half, a decade and a half, go to <laughs> AlecTorelli.com. Uh, it's A-L-E-C-T-O-R-E-L-L-I.com. If you get this show, The Driven Entrepreneur Course, on any on-demand platforms, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all those places. Um, you can always head over there and all these shows are going to be in the archives for free, no paywall. And I'll have show notes with all of Alex's social media and website and everything there. Alec, is, um, as I'm getting ready to let you go here, I got one final question for you, my friend. Of your entire journey of poker since 16 years old, would you, looking back, would you change anything that you did, any major decisions, minor decisions, since you're a decision guy, or would you leave your decisions the same? Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to say like, oh, you know, I don't want to change anything because all these decisions got me to where I am today and I'm happy with my life today and all like the butterfly Classic flag. And I, I get all that stuff, but I did make plenty of mistakes, okay? So let's, let's be real. Uh, I would definitely be more frugal and save more money as a young person. That's just like uh, a great... Um, lesson I wish I learned. I learned the hard way, but I think that would be one of the things I would do uh, differently. Um, there are many, but that's like a one that comes to mind and I think is a good parting note for people that are, are out there at any stage in life. It's just great to give yourself more options and um, prepare for a potential storm that you might need to weather. And I think, uh, you know, things going on today, I think that's a, it's an important place to be. Um, things turn out well in the end, so I'm happy, but I think, uh, I would tell my younger self that. Very, very good advice. Guys, that's the show for this week. Hope you enjoyed meeting Alec Torelli. And again, make sure you follow Alec on Instagram and Twitter at Alec Torelli. Check out his website, alectorelli.com. And of course, if you, uh, he's got a free gift on his website uh, for the quick start guide to bankrolling your bucket list. Actionable life hacks going to your inbox every single week. So check it out, man. Like, you know, a guy that has traveled the world and made millions reading people and is teaching this for a living. Uh, you can get so much great content for free. He's got phenomenal blogs. Go follow him on YouTube and go check this dude out. Um, that's it for the show. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. If you haven't already, head over to those on-demand platforms and make sure you hit the subscribe button. You get this show, The Driven Entrepreneur, with me, Matt Browning, every single week, right to the device that you're choosing. And follow me on social media, at Matt Browning, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all those places. I put really cool photos things of my guests, things of my family, climbing trips, whatever it is, man. Go hang out with me. Get to know me. Love you guys. Get out there this weekend and roll the dice. No, don't roll the dice. Make a good decision and crush it. See ya.